Baseball Podcast. What up, what up, fantasy people? This is the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. That's right, it's another episode this week. We're going into the fantasy playoffs, so Ty and I are going hard for you to try and win your fantasy championships. Ty, how you doing, my man? Doing good, living the dream. Beautiful, beautiful. As always, I am Travis Seal, and that was my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin. You can connect with us on Twitter at TrueNorthFFB. Don't forget to visit the site at TrueNorthFFB.com. So, strength of schedule episode we're doing here. Are you excited for this one? These are always really, really good episodes. Yeah, we're going to hit some guys that are falling out of favor confidence-wise, and we're going to hit some guys who just straight up have really wicked schedules that we can take advantage of. Yeah, totally. These are the schedules that, you know, we want fantasy owners to capitalize on. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, we hope you were looking ahead of time a couple weeks back at these schedules to potentially acquire them um, or maybe see if they were available on waivers or whatnot. But uh, strength of schedule is something that we look at quite a bit throughout the season. And uh, you got to weigh it uh, differently depending on different players, of course. But uh, I'm excited. Should we fly in? Let's get at it. Cool. So first, we're going to cover some quarterbacks. Uh, We're going to talk about some guys who have some pretty easy schedules. Uh, If you listen to our last episode, you'll notice that we touched on a bunch of strength of schedule stuff there. So some of this kind of piggybacks off that, but uh, we're really excited to get into it. So uh, let's start with uh, Gardner the Hardener, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, well, the Jaguars have an ideal schedule. Their strength schedule is really nice for the playoffs. They have the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Falcons over the next three weeks. Uh, so it starts with a bit of a toughie with the Chargers. It's funny, I thought Foles would be in this game, you know, and he would struggle because <laughs> they are top five against quarterbacks for fantasy. But the Raiders and Falcons are as good of a strength of schedule as it gets for weeks 15 and 16. Oakland and Atlanta allow the fourth most and the third most points to quarterbacks respectively. Uh, I really think Minshew will be a top 12 quarterback in both those weeks. And he could be on fantasy championship rosters, I think. Yeah, I'm right with you. I mean, he's got a good stable of wide receivers. Uh, Leonard Fournette's chugging along there, and those matchups look decent for Lenny as well. So um, I'm I'm with you. Gardner Minshew is definitely somebody that I would look to get as a streaming option if I've been doing that this season. Um, And, you know, if you have a quarterback with a tough slate, it doesn't hurt to put Gardner Minshew on your bench for sure. Do you think you'll have uh, any ancillary pieces ranked within the top 36 at, say, wide receiver for like a Chris Conley or D.D. Westbrook? Top 36 is right on the fence there for those guys. Um, I think one of those guys is probably top 36 each week, but it's really, really hard to say who it's going to be. Yeah, D.D.'s heating up a little bit. So let's move right along here. So let's go to Daniel Jones, a guy who you definitely need to check confidence. The new and improved, well, maybe not improved, the... The younger Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, uh, he's seeing ghosts right now. Dan- Daniel Jones has a billion fumbles right now. He's throwing picks all of a sudden. He has the third most turnover-worthy plays on PFF right now. Uh, check this out, Trav. Daniel Jones has three games this year with over 28 points in fantasy. He has three games with eight points or less. And in four of the five other games, he has between 10 and 12 points. Uh, so I say he has a low floor of 10 to 12 points. Uh, <laughs> I'll go out on a limb there. And his bust rate is about one in four, to be generous. But it's, And that's the same as his boom rate. But his booms are big. So, you know, he plays the improved Eagles passing defense this week. Uh, but they get the Dolphins in week 15. Are you going to have faith to maybe start Daniel Jones as a streamer against the Dolphins in week 15? 
That's tricky, man. It really depends on what my other options are. And, you know, Daniel Jones has been uh, putting some big poop cakes in the bed lately, let's say. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) I could see myself plugging him in. I mean, you said his boom weeks are big. He's got two four touchdown games this year. Year, so that's pretty solid um it's hard to say if he's going to do that down the stretch though he's got some injured weapons i could see if i don't have any other good options but gardner Minshew, for instance i'd be i'd be playing gardner Minshew over daniel jones probably even in week 15 uh with the dolphins on the schedule for for the giants yeah i guess you know you're probably right because gardner is yeah. oakland i guess yeah gardner yeah is oakland. i think i'd probably stick with gardner yeah and I guess I'll mention they have Washington for the fantasy championship in week 16. The Eagles this week, I think, is a risky start for Danny Joyce. I'm kind of avoiding him, and, uh, but I'd probably even start like a Ryan Fitzpatrick over him this week. Uh, getting the Dolphins in week 15, though, that's why we're even talking about this guy. Miami allows almost 22 points per game to quarterbacks in four-point passing touchdown leagues. They allow almost 28 points per game in six-pointers. So I, I'm pretty much just talking about week 15 is what I'm getting at. Because there's going to be better options than Daniel Jones in Week 16. I think there's better options in Week Week 14 here. Yeah, beat it, Danny Dimes. Okay, so we're moving on to Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, he was a top five quarterback almost coming into the season as far as people's rankings. Uh, hasn't really come to fruition for him. Uh, the schedule is looking decent down the stretch. The next two matchups are Cincinnati and Arizona. Um, both gettable defenses. Obviously, Arizona has been terrible versus the past. Cincinnati statistically is kind of mid-pack, but they're not really scaring anybody. Uh, and then he's got that dicey matchup in Week 16 uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, what do you think about Baker's schedule going forward? It's tough because you have the Bengals who allow the six most points to quarterbacks. Arizona is allowing almost 25 points per game to quarterbacks. They allow the most points. It's the best matchup. But it's just weird because Baker, you said it, he was a top, He was drafted as a top five quarterback this year. In weeks one through eight, though, he was quarterback 24. He was hitting waiver wires at that point. And then he, he showed signs of life against the Steelers in that truly wild helmet flailing game. <laughs> and he, he put up his best fantasy game of the season on that fateful Thursday night. And the following week in week 12, he had over 23 points in fantasy, his new best of the season. And at this point, like heading into this past week, we're like, oh, here we go. We can start Baker. Finally, here we go. And playing the same Steelers, the Browns season on the line, Baker put up eight points. So, you know, and that was Baker's had less than 10 points in fantasy in one third of his games this season. Owners might be sick and tired of being sick and tired. He could be hitting waiver wires again, but... I, I think he's a really good option if we're streaming quarterbacks and he's available. And, you know, watch what I can do with stats here, Trav. I said Baker can, you know, bust, but he also has 17 points or more in fantasy in four of his last five games. So that ain't not bad. Yeah, he's definitely been trending upward lately. It's been really good to see out of him, and I was pretty excited about him coming in and that offense in general. Um, so hopefully he can keep it going. I, you know, as far as where I would put him, uh, I would probably put him in as like an unconfident back end quarterback one. Um, but I think I maybe am just a little bit more pessimistic than some on Baker. What do you think as far as like where he's going to, he's going to rank for you? Yeah. I mean, it, it's quarterback, right? So what's the difference? I think he's more like a top, you know, like quarterback eight to 10 range, but you know, especially with the Bengals and Arizona here, I, I just think those are like Arizona's the number one quarterback matchup and Baker is a talented quarterback and he does have Odell and he does, you know, maybe David and Joku comes back and provides a spark. And, you know, I, I just think there's a lot in their favor. I just think we can, we, we can have a lot of faith as a top 10 quarterback for his matchup against the Bengals and the Cardinals. And then you can even drop them in week 16. You don't have to play him against Baltimore. 
He had, I think he had like 16 points, their matchup earlier in the season. Yeah, that's a good point there. And I mean, looking at his past schedule, he has been on the upswing and there's been some tough defenses. He had Buffalo, Denver, uh, and of course the New England game before that. So he's had some tough defenses that he's been going against. So uh, it's going to be sweet to see what he can do. So yeah, yeah, give me Baker as a startable option for sure. Oh, the next guy though, the next guy, he's... uh, He's been pretty frustrating. He's been pretty solid for fantasy, to be honest with you. That's Jameis Winston, uh, Mr. Mister Interceptions himself, eh? We said it last week. He's going to go down in 2019 as a quarterback with the most interceptions since Brett Favre in the 90s. Uh, he threw 15 interceptions in just week 6 through 12. Uh, but in the last <laughs> in the last seven games, though, Jameis has also thrown for over 300 yards in six of them. So I, I think well, this is a strength of schedule episode. Buccaneers strength of schedule here is really nice. He has the Colts in mm-hmm. week 14, making him, you know, a questionable this week for reliability. But, you know, with the Lions and the Texans in championship weeks, Jameis should be a top eight quarterback for, for those weeks in our leagues, I think. Totally, man. You got to you gotta keep him in there. He's slinging the rock. He's going to throw some picks, but, you know, he's going to pass for 300 and he's probably going to give you multiple touchdowns. Uh, just looking at the stats, I mean, he only has gone under 300 yards four times on the season. So that's a pretty solid rate of hitting that 300-yard mark. And he's got great weapons and we know Bruce Arians is going to sling it. So he's been doing it all year. I've had a league where I've legitimately just been starting him all year aside from his bye week. And he's, he's been solid for me. I made the playoffs in that league, won my division. So so he can get it done for fantasy. Uh, we're talking fantasy strength of schedule here, not real football long term. So give me Jameis, man. Yeah, like say what you want. He supported two top five wide receivers this season. And these matchups are just too spicy to ignore. That's the, And yeah, like Jameis is the quarterback seven right now, you guys, like for fantasy. And he plays two defenses, giving up the sixth and ninth most points to quarterbacks in week 15 and 16. Like I think he could win leagues. Definitely. I love me some Jameis. Well, I love me some fantasy, James. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> 75% of the time, I like 10% of who James is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 75% of the time, he works every time. So going from a guy who's basically unlikable to a guy who's very lovable, let's go to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he's been a top 10 quarterback in fantasy since starting. It's been amazing. What What are you seeing in Tennessee? What's there to Tennessee here? (laughs) Well, Ryan Tannehill's the only 10 I see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been solid. He's, put like quite the spark in that Tennessee offense. Um, he's brought in AJ Brown to life a little bit, which has been great to see. Uh, not so much Corey Davis, but he's, he's given us a little bit of ups. Nope. <laughs> nope. He has given us a little bit of upside with his legs too. He's got a few touchdowns there. So um, Ryan Tannehill, like you said, top five quarterback as of late since he came in. So um, I think you could totally fire him up. I mean, he's got Oakland this coming week. That's a solid matchup. Houston, solid matchup. And New Orleans statistically is not that great as far as points given up to wide receivers. So I I think these could all be gettable matchups coming up. Yeah, and I mean, the reason he's on this episode for sure is because, you know, normally we wouldn't put a top five, top 10 scoring quarterback. But Ryan Tannehill, I just worry, you know, maybe some people think, oh, it's coming to an end or whatever. It isn't for sure. And, you know, you mentioned the rushing touchdowns. I wanted to mention that too. That's a career high, the three rushing touchdowns. And remember, this guy has over 3,000 pass attempts in his career. So we can't really bank on the rushing touchdowns, I don't think. 
The other thing, remember Ryan Tannehill is a converted wide receiver. Maybe he's just finding finding his groove finally here. <laughs> totally. Big lanky frame. You can kind of see it when you when you see him running out there. Um, and to be fair to Ryan Tannehill, he has only ever played otherwise with the Miami Dolphins, who have been a dumpster fire for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that this offense in Tennessee is lights out, but he's got some great weapons around him, and he's kind of making the most of it. That's for sure. He's, he's vying for a starting spot going into next year. Yeah, he's got to be their starting quarterback going into next year. I mean, it's trippy to think they're going to let Marcus Mariota walk for nothing, like, or at least they're going to let a quarterback that they drafted so high walk for nothing in this day and age. But it's just what we're seeing from Ryan Tannehill, the points per game has gone up to almost 30 points per game for Tennessee. We haven't seen that in years. Like the average depth of the target is one of the highest in the league. And same with his yards per attempt. His yards per attempt is almost two yards higher than any of his first four seasons in Miami. Like he's averaging two more yards on every pass he throws compared to when he was under Adam Gase. And with all that, he has one of the easiest playoff schedules among quarterbacks. Like Oakland and Houston have been steady bottom 10 defenses versus quarterbacks this year. And even week 16 against the Saints, like a lot of people, you know, I, I think he's top 12 quarterback there. They're, sneak, they're sneaky bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks right now. Yeah, spot on, man. I think you can start Ryan Tannehill and you can be happy with the results too. Just a couple of quick honorable mentions for the quarterbacks. Um, Carson Wentz has a pretty good schedule coming up. He has the Giants in Washington, and then he has Dallas in Week 16, which isn't the best matchup. Depending on if Wentz kind of gets a groove going with whatever offense the Eagles are putting out there, I could see Dallas being had a little bit. I like to live dangerously. Um, And another guy who's been slinging it, we talked about him in the last episode, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's got the Jets, the Giants, and the Cincinnati Bengals in the next few weeks. You could definitely put Fitzmagic in your lineup, and he will give you some points. Yeah, and maybe for deep Superflex leagues, Drew Locke plays three teams that are given up. You know, they're all top 10 in points allowed to quarterbacks, too, and including Detroit, who's given up, you know, the second most points to quarterbacks or sorry, the third most points to quarterbacks uh, this season uh, in championship week. So you never know, Drew Locke. I also like to live dangerously. Totally, man. That's a deep one. But I think a lot of people have them on taxi squads and super flex leagues, and that could pay off big time. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think with injuries and stuff, a lot of people are just platooning that second quarterback for the last second half of the season in fantasy. Yeah, I've been doing it too, and that's kind of the the benefit of making sure you're keeping an eye on waivers and knowing how to draft with a sound strategy and picking up some some extra quarterbacks in uh, in super flex leagues. All right, so why don't we get out of the quarterback muck and move into the exciting guys? We're gonna go into the running backs. What do you think? Pitter patter. Yeah, let's get at her. Uh, we're gonna start with uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, their schedule is Detroit the Chargers and the Green Bay Packers. So Detroit and Green Bay are cake matchups there. Um, It's interesting because Dalvin went down with that injury. We talked about it on our previous episode. Uh, We don't necessarily know the severity yet. We don't know if he's going to miss any time. Um, He could miss one. He could potentially even miss two. So um, if if that's the case, we want Alexander Madison. Um, You got anything to add to these guys? No, not really. I mean, I, I do think that's an interesting note that Minnesota... They lost that game to Seattle. They really needed to win that game to stay in contention with Green Bay for the division. It's going to be really tough for them to win the division now after losing that game. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do err on the side of caution with Dalvin Cook. Uh, Alexander Madison could really take advantage of what is probably the easiest strength of schedule in the fantasy football playoffs for any running back group. Uh, so yeah, just Minnesota Viking running backs, I, they, they could have a huge win rate for fantasy football this year for sure. And, and I think it's interesting because the Chargers and Packers on the schedule, 
they are really big run funnels. Like they're both top 10 versus quarterbacks and wide receivers. They're both just bleeding points to running backs. They're really easy to pinpoint. The Lions are just getting eaten alive when it comes to receiving work from running backs. So Dalvin Cook can do it in that area of the game as well. So so can Alexander Madison. So Yeah, whoever starts there is definitely a locked in running back one. Um, moving on, we talked about Gardner Minshew earlier. Let's talk about Lanny Fournette. Mm-hmm. Got the Chargers coming up in this matchup. Got Oakland after that and Atlanta in the fantasy championships. That is juicy. Yeah, and the Chargers up first right away this week. They've allowed 13 touchdowns to running back, and we could be, you know, mid-Leonard Fournette touchdown regression right now. Uh, Oakland, the next week, they've just been gashed by running backs all year and sometimes multiple backs, and we know Leonard Fournette doesn't really have a second running back uh, being involved to worry about. Interesting with Leonard Fournette is use in the passing game. Oakland has allowed five receiving touchdowns to running backs this year, so seeing him get into the end zone in almost every week here wouldn't be surprising with touchdown regression likely to hit anyways. And then Atlanta in week 16, you know, any anybody who gets 15 or more touches against the Falcons this year is blown up. And they've also allowed touchdowns to running back. So I, I think Leonard Fournette is easily a top five to 10 running back. And he was under Gardner Menchu before. Uh, do you, do you see anything different? No, man, he's going to explode here. It's uh, just like you said, I want to see more touchdowns. That's been kind of the tough spot for him this year, um, which is kind of a testament to him and what he's been doing otherwise, aside from the touchdowns. Um, it's it's the receiving work has been fantastic. The last six weeks, actually, he's second only to Christian McCaffrey and running back targets. Uh, so that's like a super safe floor regardless of matchup. And then you add those wicked matchups with all the carries that he's going to get. He's locked in for me and I can't I can't wait to see it. And it's interesting. So, you know, with Leonard Fournette there, it, we talk about handcuff season. It would never hurt to have Ryko Armstead on the back of your bench. Wayne Gallman is another guy we want on the back end of our rosters. And I want to talk about Saquon Barkley, Trav, because everyone is hate. They just hate Saquon right now. Um, they hate him. Yeah, it's been brutal. I've seen some ridiculous trade polls with Saquon included on Twitter. Um, you know, he's... As far as dynasty value, we're obviously we're not necessarily talking that, but I think his dynasty value is pretty firm where it was at the beginning of the season. He's top three running back going forward. Strength of schedule coming up. It's a pretty decent one for Saquon. He's got Philadelphia this coming week, and then he's got Miami and Washington in the final two weeks of the season. Um, the Philly matchup isn't necessarily the best on paper, um, but the other two are fantastic. Yeah, and you know, the injury is playing into things I think in the four games since returning from injury Saquon has not eclipsed 65 yards rushing he's under 30 yards rushing in a couple of those games and you know he has just one touchdown in those four games but he is about to return to top three running back status down the stretch if he's if he's not shut down there's a less than zero percent chance that happens it's very low likelihood but I thought that those were just warnings they were warnings well, no one warned me Philly looks tough to start fantasy football playoffs, but Saquon has destroyed the Eagles both times he has faced them. He has a 38-point mm-hmm. game against them, Trav, and the other one you might remember is a 33-point game in PPR. So Saquon mm-hmm. has really crushed your boys. Miami is a bottom DST versus running backs, and they allow the most rushing attempts and yards to running backs in the league. And Washington has been surprisingly good against the pass, but they're bottom 10 in fantasy football points allowed to running backs. So Saquon might have the easiest strength schedule down the stretch, maybe Minnesota backs. But if anybody's worried about Saquon, you don't have to build upside around him in your roster construction. He's going to deliver some 20, 30 point weeks here. 
Yeah, man, I, I think so too. And I think regardless, I, if you have Saquon on your roster, are you actually going to sit Saquon? Because I don't think I'm going to. No, obviously um, not. It's just, yeah. Because yeah. I'm never sitting on it, ever. Yeah. And I just wanted to get uh, Wayne Gallman in there because you got to make sure you add these guys. These are the guys who, yeah, that's who, huge. who can come in and win a league. A guy drafted two overall. Let's go to a UDFA who signed with his hometown team. Let's go to Philip Lindsay. He has a terrific schedule down the stretch. Broncos running backs do in general, but Royce Freeman has seen his work kind of evaporate over the last you know four or five weeks here. So what do you what do you see with Philip Lindsay down the stretch? I think he's going to have a good little stretch here. Um, he's he's looked good. Like if you watch Philip Lindsay, he just looks really good when he's hitting holes and when he's being shifty out in space. Um, currently, he's a running back 14, and that's while working in a timeshare. You know, he's still not getting the receiving work that we hope out of a guy who's that style of running back. Uh, he has a really, really weirdly even split with Royce as far as receiving work it's kind of puzzling to me um but you know i think based on his rushing volume i would start him as a confident running back too especially with those three matchups with houston casey and detroit coming up yeah like uh it's one of those things where snaps aren't everything we like to monitor a lot of things but we have to bring context to them and they are still splitting snaps but it's pretty crazy the drastic split we've seen between their touches in the last four or five weeks and it's particularly since the quarterback change like Philip Lindsay has really transcended and he's just endured some quarterback changes through the season and we we talked about it last episode we're not sold on Drew Locke I I don't I don't believe the poor quarterback play in Denver won't continue I'm not going to bank on it being fixed uh and that's really benefited Philip Lindsay and you know it can't be any worse in the passing game than it was under Brandon Allen I think he had only five targets in those three games so yeah, I th- the strength of schedule just shapes up so nicely for this group, and Phil Lindsay is going to be the huge benefactor of that. And I-, I mentioned passing work because Houston is allowing the most catches to the running back position by far this year. And, you know, we've seen them allow some big days to running backs, like Jonathan Williams and Gus Edwards even lately. So, so there's a lot of upside here as early as Week 14. And then getting the Kansas City Chiefs, they allow the most points to fantasy uh, running backs right now. And then Detroit the next week, who are you know, I think the third worst uh, against running backs for fantasy points given up. So it couldn't be a better schedule for Philip Lindsay, really. Totally, totally. I'm lighting him up wherever I have him for sure. I got a couple of honorable mentions as far as running backs here, though, if you don't mind. By all means, please. Uh, David Montgomery, uh, it's been pretty up and down performance, but we know he's starting to get uh, get a little bit more usage. So he's got Green Bay and Kansas City in the final two weeks for fantasy. So those are really good matchups for, for fantasy running backs. And I think you could probably start David Montgomery in those ones. Uh, the next two are really, really tricky ones. So good luck with these. But the Falcons, um, aside from that uh, San Francisco game in week 15, they do have Carolina coming up this next week. Uh, so, I mean... If you want to start Devontae Freeman, you can't expect too, too much. But the schedule with Jacksonville in Week 16 isn't too, too bad for a fantasy running back. And the next one is the Buccaneers. They got Indy, Detroit, and Houston. That Detroit and Houston matchup looks really, really good for the final two matchups of the fantasy playoffs. But uh, good luck picking between Peyton Barber or Rojo. If something clears up this next coming week against Indy, um, then I could see maybe a little bit more confidence there, but uh, just kind of some schedules to monitor, not necessarily situations that you're that you're going after to really make sure you cram into your lineup. Okay, so should we whip through some wideouts here? Yeah, let's get whipping. <laughs> Whip it good. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you two? 
Let's start in Jacksonville. Uh, we've talked quite a bit of them in the last couple episodes, so we won't talk too, too much, but they do have the Chargers, Oakland, and Atlanta coming up, so it is a good schedule for fantasy football wide receivers. Ty, what are you thinking? The Jaguars wide receivers, they're going to have to contend with the Chargers team who just reincorporated Derwin James. But the two games we want to consider Jaguars is uh, against the Raiders and Falcons. Both are allowing an abundance of fantasy points to wide receivers. Oakland is an easy start for wide receivers. We always break ties, you know, for teams playing Oakland. But DJ Chark, definitely a top 10 wide receiver in rankings for week 15, despite giving us a little bit of a dud this past week. Uh, And Atlanta just allows tons of yards and touchdowns to wide receivers. So... DJ Chark, just the big six four monster. He's gonna have he's gonna have some big games. A couple wide receivers who have multiple touchdown games against Atlanta are Sammy Watkins, uh, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. So they they really struggle against these bigger X wide receivers. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm I'm lighting up DJ Chark too. He's he's an easy top probably seven option for me. Um, what about Didi and Conley? Would you start either of them in any of these matchups? No, it's one of those things. Like once you're in the fantasy playoffs, and obviously all these buys have come and gone. Uh, I don't think these players should be even really entering the conversation. Yeah, pretty pretty sketchy starts at this point of the season. So I wouldn't recommend um, pushing for them to get into uh, your flex spot or anything like that. Next, we're going to talk about the New York Giants. They got the Eagles, they got Miami, and they got Washington up on the slate. So what do you think about the Giants wide receivers? There's lots of options there. Yeah, there really is, and there's question marks surrounding them. I mean, I've never been a huge Sterling Shepard fan, at least compared to the masses. I've I've been huge on Darius Slayton, seeing the connection that him and Dana Jones had on the deep ball in preseason. Uh, Golden Tate's kind of the question mark. He, He was ruled out with a concussion for Week 12. We really have to monitor Golden Tate's health, but there's lots of options and there's lots of really nice opponents on the schedule coming up for, for the Giants pass catchers. Like they play the Eagles, Dolphins, and then Washington in the fantasy playoffs. That is such a nice schedule. Uh, the Eagles, we think that they're a team to target, but they're actually, they, they've improved pretty good uh, when it comes to their secondary in the last few weeks. Uh, the Dolphins are, are about as bad as it gets though. Yeah, I think that's well put. And, you know, the Eagles, um, they are improving on defense, but we did see what Devontae Parker did to them this past week. So I think there is potentially some production to be had, um, even, even though they have improved there. Uh, for me, if I'm picking one, it's going to be Slayton. Um, I don't want Golden Tate's low upside on my team, uh, even if he's healthy. And I, I'm not looking at Sterling Shepard. So I want Slayton because I want him to get those deep targets and maybe give me a bomb touchdown. Because if I'm starting a giant, I want some upside. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm starting any of these guys, and I, I get it. I like Slayton a lot, and you know, I'll probably start him if it's like you know one of those three wide, three wide receivers, two flex kind of leagues. I'm I'm starting mm-hmm. Darius Slayton in those, but I definitely have Sterling Shepard just ahead of him. Uh, in the last four games he's played, he's had nine targets in all four of them. Uh, but in week twelve, his nine targets amounted to just fifteen yards. So, you know, putting Sterling Shepard's durability aside. It's that he doesn't have a high ceiling. That's kind of what what I don't love about Sterling Shepard. In his last 25 games, he's over 100 receiving yards just three times. And he had eight touchdowns on 65 catches in his rookie season. Since then, over the last three years, he's had, 75 tu- uh, he's had seven touchdowns on over 150 catches. Yeah, for me, it's just uh, Darius Slayton. And like you said, that rapport with Daniel Jones, it's fun. They're out of the playoff hunt. They're, they got some young guys, and they want to kind of see what they got here and 
hopefully they just let it fly and put up some fantasy points because I want to see it. Yeah. And just for your Eagles, I don't think they've allowed – oh, I guess they – that's so funny. Devontae Parker was the first wide receiver since week seven to go over 100 yards receiving on Philly. <laughs> That's yeah, that's pretty solid. It's uh, you know, once those corners got healthy, it definitely got a little bit better. So here's hoping for my birds, but not not hoping for much. <laughs> so we want to talk juicy schedules here. Um, this is kind. Of, this next one is kind of a, a beautiful blend of two things coming together. First, we got the Bucks wide receiver core with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, both top five receivers on the same team. And then you look at their schedule. And then they got the Indianapolis Colts up next, um, which isn't necessarily the easiest matchup, but I think this passing game can kind of push through that. And then after that, they've got the Detroit Lions and they've got the Houston Texans. And those are so juicy for the final two weeks of the fantasy season. Um, we've talked a lot of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans on the show because um, we're big fans uh what do you think on those guys ty you got a pair of sunglasses i advise putting them on because i got a feeling these two are gonna light it up yeah i mean goblin's still the wide receiver two overall mike evans still the wide receiver three overall I can't remember the last time. I'll have to go back and look. The last time two wide receiver teammates finished this high. Uh, recently, and maybe Antonio Brown, Juju. That's like close I can think of. Uh, mm. I've made it clear I'm kind of team Godwin over Evans, and I think that'll remain down the stretch here. He's been safer, and he's had more spiked weeks this season than Evans. Mike Evans now has four straight games with less than five catches and under 13 fantasy points in PPR and all. And Mike Evans has three blow-up games this year. He has over half his points in those three games. Like 25% of Mike Evans' games, he's equaled 56% of his fantasy points on the season. And, you know, it comes down to Goblin and his talents. Even his yards after the catch, I just think it trumps Mike Evans' league lead in air yards. Uh, Considering the quarterback is just super inaccurate down the field. And Jameis is a turnover machine, you know? Yeah, man, Godwin's super, super versatile. Definitely does a lot more than Mike Evans um, as far as having a multifaceted game. So I can totally see that. Um, personally, you know, uh, I think I've talked about it on the show that I have a team where I have both of those guys. Um, so it's been really just fun for me to watch, and I, I really like both of those players. Yeah, I think you've kind of had to, like, build your roster around them, though, because they haven't blown up in the same week that often. It's It's kind of been relatively separated in the weeks that they do blow up in no you're absolutely right i've had to kind of build around the fact that i know that they'll combined probably put up 30 points at least in a given week so um, i've built around that a little bit um but you know it's it's worked out well i'm in the playoffs in that league i'm fighting for a buy so uh it's good yeah and like so they have the colts this week and all the big dogs they've played this year have been able to eat new Hopkins, dj char coolio they've all had blown up games against uh Indianapolis, So that bodes well for Mike Evans owners for sure. Uh, Godwin matches, he matches up against him good too. Keenan Allen had a big game early in the year and they've, they've had problems with, with slot wide receivers this year and multiple wide receivers and secondary pieces have had good fantasy games against Colts. So both Godwin and Evans, I think could be trusted right away in this week. Obviously week 15, we don't have to get into it too much. The Lions are a really interesting spot because they're allowing the seventh most points to wide receivers in half point PPR. And multiple wide receivers have feasted against them in the same game, but we also know that Mike Evans draws Darius Slay in this matchup. The last time they played was in 2017, and Mike Evans had just two catches for 25 yards. Uh, Slay won the first matchup among these two borderline elite players of their position. So I'd kind of I'd exercise caution with Mike Evans' uh, expectations in Week 15. 
he could easily, you know, win the matchup against Slay or have one long touchdown that could make his day a fantasy success. But, you know, I'm Team Godwin even here in these first two matchups. And Championship Week, uh, the Bucks have the Texans. So that's another plus matchup. Houston allows the 12th most points to the uh, wide receiver position in half-point PPR. I think Mike Evans will be a top-12 wide receiver in this matchup for sure. But, you know, I don't have much intel to offer on that one. They, The Texans' defensive coordinator, Romeo Cornell, he's, he's really been changing up the secondary recently. They brought in Vernon Hargraves. Lonnie Johnson was injured. So, you know, even against the Patriots, Cornell had their slot corners covering running backs against the Patriots, which was cool. Uh, so I'm not sure what we get from Mike Evans in that game. I think we're going to rank him as a top 12 wide receiver, but outside wide receivers have had pretty varying success against them this year. But for my boy Chris Godwin, though, Texans can't defend slot wide receivers. Here's some of the slot wide receivers that have just lit it up against Houston this year. Edelman, Hunter Renfro, Zach Pascal, Tyreek Hill, Sanu, Ridley, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. Every one of those players had one or multiple touchdowns and went off for fantasy owners. What am I am I going too long here? No, I think that's perfect. That's really well laid out. Um, like I said, we've talked a bunch of bucks, so it's nice to have all that laid out and just show us that we can continue to start these guys. And, you know, there might be a little bit of ups and downs with some of those corner matchups, but, you know, I think the way the Bucks play, I think this offense is going to kind of transcend whatever matchup it is, and there will be some fantasy points put up. Yeah, and I think these guys are going to have a pretty historic year when we look back at teammates and you know, fantasy. Yeah. Yep. It's looking like it. It's uh, pretty cool that it happened while we were watching. <laughs> tell me, tell my grandkids. <laughs> Chris Godwin. Mike Evans caught and fell down for every catch he ever had. <laughs> yeah. Had a really high A dot. <laughs> So the next guy we're going to talk about, we're just going to hit him real quick because he's kind of one of those locked-in options. We went uh, we went into him pretty deep on the last episode, and I think anybody who has him is loving starting him right now. That's DJ Moore in Carolina. Um, you know, there are some things changing in Carolina with the coaching change. Um, we know that there's some flux at the quarterback position, um, but DJ Moore has held steady through all of that, and I think he's kind of a locked-in wide receiver one. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And down the stretch, I think we can count on them is pretty much exactly that. They play Atlanta, who's allowed the fifth most receiving yards to wide receivers this year and a ton of points. And then they they, they have a home game against Seattle, which I think is important because if you go to Seattle, uh, they, they, mm-hmm. they play much better defense in uh, in that building in Seattle. So I'm not too worried about that matchup, even though it only looks like a below average map matchup. And then we just talked about the Colts in uh, the last matchup there with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, it's three plus matchups in my opinion. And I think DJ Moore is definitely a top 15 wide receiver down the stretch. And I think, I think Curtis Samuel has like, you know, one or two games out of those three games where he's fantasy viable. I just don't know which ones. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to tell which ones. Right on. So moving on to the next wide receiver, because like I said, we talked a lot of DJ Moore, AJ Brown. Um, he was, you know, one of uh, one of your big wide receivers coming into the draft process. Um, and then he went to Tennessee, which was kind of tough on his value. We saw him come out in that first game with 100 yards and he's been kind of up and down as of late, but he has flashed a little bit. Uh, looking at that schedule, he's got Oakland, Houston and New Orleans coming up. So that's a pretty sick schedule for uh, AJ Brown in Tennessee, eh? Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, the reason we want to hit him, I think he's an important guy to hit because 
the highs have been really high for fantasy this year and the coaching staff must be realizing he's their best option finally outside of Derrick Henry in this offense like it's taken him a while but he he is so good and the Titans offense is kind of condensed with injuries to Delaney Walker and maybe a playoff push eliminating the ability to work players in Totally, man. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm really happy for those teams where I took AJ Brown in my rookie draft. It wasn't looking the best as we moved through the season, but you know, looking at his stats in in a couple games recently, he's got seven and eight targets. The last three, he has four, five, and four. But in that five target game, he had 135 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, this guy can break them off, and he's got better quarterback play with Ryan Tannehill. That schedule looks fantastic. We've talked a little bit about Houston's um, work against wide receivers in in the episode already and then Oakland and New Orleans are giving it up to wide receivers as well so uh, AJ Brown's looking pretty pretty decent as one of those guys in uh, start three wide receiver league I could definitely see myself starting him as my wide receiver three yeah he's I think he's a great upside play like the volume won't be there make no mistake but yeah like the Titans play Oakland Houston and the Saints during fantasy playoffs that's such a great schedule and the Raiders don't have anybody to contend with AJ Brown like they could he could easily break a big one off in that week and this week sorry and the Titans play a big division that's a huge divisional game against Houston I just did we yeah like we just dished on the Texans secondary but they've allowed 15 touchdowns to wide receivers this season so and the the Saints on paper is scary but yeah they're they're not (laughs) well that's the thing with the Houston and the New Orleans matchup Houston and New Orleans can both score points too so Tennessee may be in a position where they may have to try and keep up on the scoreboard um, and give me A.J. Brown because Delaney Walker, um, you know, he was injured. Don't think the tight ends are going to really be giving them that keep up with a team upside. So I think A.J. Brown is probably the guy for that, and, and I'm in here for it. Yeah, and that I think you can bank on that. Like, I really want to start him somewhere in Week 15 in that Houston game. I think the Week 16 matchup against New Orleans, if – Marshawn Lattimore is healthier and he's shadowing AJ Brown that could actually determine some fantasy championships if AJ Brown is flexed in those matchups uh if Lattimore is out say uh he could go off in that game as well but yeah the tight I think the Titans are going to be playing for the world in these games too like they're going to want to use their best players if we make it through I might just have to play him against you in that super flex league if I make it <laughs> it is a wide, it is a start three wide receiver league nice please do yeah. I think my wide my, well, I think my wide receivers are Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, um Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman. I got someone else really good too. Nice. I don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got Lamar J and Deshaun. I know, Watson. yeah. Yeah. That's what's keeping me afloat. And Tyreek's boom games. And the rest is just we won't talk about it. <laughs> AJ Brown's probably the best. I got sketchy running backs that my 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 playoff hopes are coming down to running backs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm rolling out Devonta Freeman and Miles Sanders right now. So okay, yeah, yeah. So you're probably good. <laughs> <laughs> unless yeah. I get that AJB blow up game, motherfucker. Yeah, I'll just get a Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones blow up games. Yeah, okay. Let's move on to some tight ends here. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we move along to some tight ends here, Ty? Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's do David and Joku first. Uh, not playing versus Pittsburgh was kind of weird. He had a quote. I don't know if you saw it. it was really bizarre claiming he was healthy, but the coach didn't want to play him. So I don't know what to make of that. But the strength of schedule hmm. is so juicy in the next two weeks playing Cincinnati and Arizona. Uh, the Cardinals have allowed over 260 points to tight ends in fantasy this year. The most by far. No other team is over 200 points allowed to tight ends right now. And then week 16, they play Baltimore, which is, you know, middle of the pack. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, in, in that dumpy tight end landscape, if David Njoku comes back, um, he's definitely got the touchdown upside. I'm not sure if he's going to be getting the targets. He wasn't really getting them before when he was healthy. Uh, but, you know, if you're desperate for a tight end and we know he's going to start, then you might as well toss a dart at that two-touchdown game or something. Mm-hmm. So just a quick one there. Let's go to Philadelphia. Let's talk about your boy Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard because both these players are in play for playoff-bound fantasy teams. I'm telling you, they're just in different spectrums on the fantasy landscape. Uh, over the last seven weeks, pretty much the second half of the fantasy season, uh, heading into fantasy playoffs, Ertz has been the tight end three during that stretch. Goddard is the tight end nine over the last seven weeks. He's barely been outscored by players like Hunter Henry and Mark Andrews. Totally, man. And we've seen that the Eagles run uh, 12 personnel on like 40% of their plays this year, which is a pretty, pretty astronomical rate. Uh, so we know Dallas Goddard is actually going to be on the field, especially with depleted wide receivers there. Uh, so, you know, that schedule is looking pretty solid. They got the Giants and they got Washington. Um the Giants statistically actually are pretty good at defending the tight end. They only give up 5.5 points per game. Um, but that being said, the way that Philadelphia uses these tight ends and how good those two tight ends are, I'm not too worried about that. Um, and then, you know, Washington can be had definitely. And then Dallas is in week 16. And like I said, the way that Philadelphia uses those tight ends, I'm not necessarily worried as much about the matchup. Oh, yeah. Dallas in week 16 gives up the ninth most points to uh, tight ends and Washington gives up the 10th most points to tight ends in week 15. Did you say they only the Giants are only giving up five something points to tight ends? I believe it's 5.5 points per game on fantasy pros and that's half point. Okay, check this out. In the last four games against the Giants, Zach Ertz has at least six catches in all of them and he scored a touchdown in all four. He's on a tear against the Giants going back a couple years. Yeah, and he's been looking back to his old self, especially as far as targets and kind of usage in the red zone lately. So um, Zach Ertz is a locked-in tight end one after looking a little bit rocky in the middle of the season there. Yeah, and so what I think the big takeaway there is that Zach Ertz is going to be a t- he's going to be a top three tight end going down the stretch here easily. Uh, he might, he could, he's going to be a big difference maker. Might have a high win rate this season in twenty nineteen. Uh, but Dallas Goddard, I think we should avoid him this week against the Giants. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, they have been, like I said, they have been defending the tight end pretty good. Um, his target totals aren't necessarily super steady, um, so I could definitely see why you might do that. Uh, in a PPR league, though, if I'm if I'm streaming tight end, I probably would toss him in there. Yeah, his playing time, like it's everything's really trending up for Goddard over in the last seven weeks or so, over the second half of this this season. It's been sweet, man. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. Just gotta, just gotta hang on to the ball. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna toss one more guy in there just to finish us off. Uh, that's Kyle Rudolph. His schedule upcoming is Detroit, the Chargers, and Green Bay. So Detroit's a pretty good matchup against the tight end. Uh, the Chargers, that's a tough one because Derwin's back, um, and that that defense covers the tight end pretty well. Um, but then Green Bay is a great matchup for tight ends. So. Kyle Rudolph, six touchdowns in his last five games is pretty fantastic. We know he's being used in the red zone. That's why we call him Rudolph the Red Zone Reindeer. Uh, Christmas is coming, and he's already delivered some presents with those touchdowns. Uh, I think he could deliver more in the fantasy championship against those Green Bay Packers. (laughs) Yeah, only three teams have allowed more touchdowns to the tight end position than the Green Bay Packers. Just uh, make sure you leave a carrot out for him because Santa gets cookies. But what does uh, Rudolph the Red Zone Reindeer get? I think well, we just worry about Buffalo. Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen stealing it. You can leave it out, but Adam Thielen might scoop it from 
Yeah, that's really fair. Well. That's fair. Is he going to play, though? I guess he'll probably come back at some point. But Yeah, and maybe Dalvin Cook's not there. Who knows? Been... Who knows? Yeah, true that. All right, Trav, that about does it for guys we were looking at down the stretch here that really stood out like a sore thumb when we were looking at it. I want to dive further into it later uh, with the worst strength of schedules, uh, especially for Fantasy Championship Week and stuff like that. So we're going to do that later on in a different episode. But for now, let's let's just talk about some teams. We, we both grabbed a few that stood out to us that have really poor strength schedules down the stretch. Uh, I'll give a couple. The Kansas City Chiefs, they play at the New England Patriots this week. They play Denver next week, and they play at Chicago the week after. So we're obviously going to be starting Patrick Mahomes in some of those big pieces, but just with the ancillary pieces, we have to be uh, somewhat concerned. And with them kind of having a playoff position locked up, we don't know what's going to happen with that running back group as well. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? They play at Chicago this week. They play the Rams, Jalen Ramsey and the Rams, and then they go at Philadelphia, which will be tough for Ezekiel Elliott in championship week. And the last one I want to hit is the Green Bay Packers. They also have a fairly tough schedule. It doesn't look as tough on paper, but the Washingtons this week and the Chicago Bears next week and then the Minnesota Vikings on the road in fantasy championship week, which Green Bay has struggled against. Uh, Trav, do you want to you wanna give me a few teams here that stood out to you? Yeah, man. Let's start in Buffalo. Um, I'm looking at them because I'm a big fan of Devin Singletary and John Brown. Uh, up next on the slate, they have the Baltimore Ravens. We know how great that defense is. Uh, then after that, they're at Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. So that's going to be a tough matchup against a good defense. And then in fantasy championships, they've got the New England Patriots. That's like a death nail matchup for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it really sucks. I've liked watching these guys. I think, you know, depending on if the Bills get behind, I think there still could be some work to be had for the wide receivers um, in championship week. I'm probably sitting the wide receivers just because new England, I think they've only given up two touchdowns to wide receivers all season. Um, I think I mentioned it on our last episode, but if I can put somebody else in aside from Devin Singletary, I'm probably doing it. Um, and then, like I said, those wide receivers could see a little bit in the next two. Um, I'm hoping John Brown keeps it up, but in week 16, I'm, I'm definitely fading the Buffalo offense. Uh, the next one here, we're going to talk the Detroit Lions. So they've got, they're going to Minnesota in week 14. Then they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Denver Broncos in week 16. They go two mile high for that matchup. Um, you know, Detroit's offense has been pretty tricky to decipher. Uh, we love their wide receivers, but there is some quarterback turmoil. So um, I think volume based, you could start their wide receivers. I wouldn't really be starting any of the running backs, uh, Bo, Scar- Bo Scarborough if you have to. Um, but, it, you know, it's tough for Detroit they're pretty hamstrung at the quarterback position um, moving along we've got the Atlanta Falcons they're the pass heaviest team in the NFL this next week they go to Carolina then they're then they're in a brutal matchup against the San Francisco 49ers I'm definitely fading the running backs in that San Francisco matchup and you know Julio definitely could put up some numbers and Ridley as well against San Francisco but San Francisco is stout against wide receivers so I would be tempering my expectations if I'm in a position where I have to start those wide receivers. And then they have Jacksonville in week 16. Not really a matchup that's scaring anybody, but there are some good players on that defense, so you never really know what could happen. But Carolina and Jacksonville are the matchups I'm looking at on either side of the 49ers there. And uh, we love this passing game, but not the running backs. And that's what I got, my man. It's tough. We made her happen. Right on, man. So that's our strength of schedule episode. 
As always, we appreciate the listens from anybody who tunes into the True North Fantasy Football podcast. Uh, the season's almost coming to a close, but we're going to keep bringing it through the off season, and uh, we really hope you come along for that ride with us because we're having fun doing it. Um, Ty, any parting shots? No, I got to get to bed. It is two. <laughs> it's almost two a.m. on the East Coast right now. That's right, 11 p.m. We're staying up late, uh, making sure we hammer the episode out. So uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. Um, Good luck in those fantasy playoffs. Peace. Remix. Era, era, era. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying. That's like five Noam Sands. (laughs) Why you fucking count my Noam Sands, man? You taking the fucking Noam Sands? Seven. <laughs> how how can I come up in, up in here and fucking be myself, you know, if you're fucking counting my gnome sands, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> J-Rock, that's like nine or ten times, man. That's like nine or ten times. We's the one who gained groceries up in here. <laughs>